Thank you, Brother Ryan. The next to the last verse in the or next to the last verse in the New Testament Bible is Revelation twenty-two twenty, and it says, "Jesus, uh, Jesus says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus." And what I would say to supplement that is, even so, Le Grand Lamb, come quickly. <laughs> I am tired of not having a pastor. Uh, I hope they come back fully rested, and, and uh, I know they've been probably having a great time, but we sure do miss them. I've had a lot of uh, windshield time this week and uh, trying to figure out just, I just got the news, uh, what, first of the week, that we were going to have to do this again, trying to come up with something. You know, it's not easy. That's part of the tough part of doing this, is just not knowing, you know, what you should say, where you should go, what scripture to use, and all that stuff. And as you know, I am not a learned man, but I am very humble. Uh, so anyway, in, in trying to think up something, I decided to use the KISS method. Y'all familiar? Keep it simple, stupid. The keep it simple, of course, is, you know, try to use the, uh, uh, an illustration, you know, if, you, if you've got a lamp that you use a lot and the light's out. Well, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to change the bulb, right? I mean, that's the, the most simple thing you could do to figure that out. You know, you don't call an electrician and start trying to track down circuits because you got a light out. You replace the bulb. If it still doesn't work, you check, make sure it's plugged in. That's the next simple thing you can do. Worse than that, I mean, if it's, if it's the switch, maybe... You know, so it gets a little bit more complicated every time you go down that scale, but you try to do things simply. So, I was inspired by my brother elder, Mr. Pat Lett. I don't know if any of you have ever uh, had the privilege of being able to work close around him, but one of his favorite sayings is, I hate being ignorant. I don't know if you've ever if you've ever heard him say it, but if if you work with him a while, and you know, well, here's the thing, brother Pat. I, I've never told you this before, but you are not ignorant. Now you do some stupid stuff here, <laughs> but there's a difference, okay? So we all do stupid stuff. We're not stupid, but we do stupid stuff. You know, they say you can't fix stupid, but you can fix ignorance. Ignorance is a lack of knowledge, information, or education, the state of being ignorant. You just don't know. We need to uh, be trained a lot of times. If you, don't, if you just don't understand that it could be the light bulb that's out, then you just don't know to change the light bulb. Stupidity, however is lacking in common sense, perception or normal intelligence, stunned or dazed or stupefied 
stupid from lack of sleep, which I did a little bit this week. Uh, Dull mental responses, slow-witted, trivial, silly, frivolous, a stupid person. So if you go by the, the very definition of things, the problem is if you know about things, if you know that you have a live circuit and you reach in there, now that's stupid, you know. How many times have you said, had heard anybody say, don't be stupid? So the difference between ignorance and stupidity, what I say to you this evening is, don't be ignorant. I'm ignorant much of the time in the Word because I don't study it like I should. That's stupid. We know what the Word of God does for us individually. We know what it does for us in strengthening your life, our life through the kingdom, and that's something that we should do. And if we don't do it, it's, it's just not real smart, particularly spiritually smart on our part. So, I came up with John 3.16. How many of us don't know John 3.16? You see it, you see it on bumper stickers, If there's any crowd anywhere, somebody has got a sign, and I know you've seen them, John 3.16. They don't say a word what John 3.16 is about. They don't quote the scripture. They just got John 3.16. Hopefully, hopefully, somebody goes home and says, I'm always seeing that John 3.16. Let's see if I can find that. Of course, now all you have to do is Google it, right? I wanted to go simply with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I know you didn't word for word with me even though you didn't. That was what that was. You were supposed to be saying. So, John 3.16 that is the last simple thing that there is about that verse is a pure reading of it. I'm not taking anything away from John 3.16 because it's true from the first word to the last. However, I believe people are done a great disservice when they are not told. It's just not about believing, is it? It isn't. So, I'll come up with a couple other verses here. Um, James 2.19, which we're all familiar. These are all simple verses we've heard a hundred times, but uh, honestly, we need to be reminded. We need to understand that that this gospel thing, it's not a thing of the past. Do you remember when you were saved? Do you remember that day when God regenerated your heart and that you understood you you seen things in a different light from that point on? Do you remember how it was then when you just wanted to tell everybody what happened to you? Jesus does a simple work in your heart. He opens your eyes to the things of the kingdom and that's the last time it's really simple, isn't it? Because 
we, from that point on, look, I, I, I started thinking about it. I was saved when I was about 11 years old. If you go right down there to Paint Rock Baptist Church, in the old church, now not the new one, sits down in the parking lot. 11 years old, I'd been in, uh, you know, I've told this story before, I'd been a, a kid let out of a cage just because um, I'd been in naval housing all my life, and then my dad's retiring. He hadn't got there yet, but man, I had I had animals. I had 122 acres to run on. I just had man. It was it was the neatest thing. It was it was a boy's life. And I remember my, both my sisters made professions of faith. Hope to God all that stuck. But I was the last one, in my family, and I can remember as a kid being under conviction and holding on the back of the pew, just like they always described. Don't, don't hold to the back of that pew. You take the first step, and it'll be like you're on roller skates. And every word of that was true. I mean, but here's, here's what I didn't understand and what maybe a lot of people don't understand. I was saved before I ever took the first step. I believe it. Didn't know it then. Didn't know it. I went down front, and just a general old-fashioned altar. And I just remember that they said, in order to be saved, I had to confess my sin and tell Jesus Christ that I wanted to be, that I wanted him to be my personal savior. And I had to get it right. And I prayed. And I was crying as a kid. I just knew that something, something had already taken place, I'm sure, just because of the, the emotion that I was overwhelmed with. But I was saved. I always go back there. When were you saved? Well, I was saved when I was 11 years old, Paint Rock Baptist Church. I always go there. I was green as a gourd. I knew nothing and didn't know anything for years about spiritual growth or what I needed to do. I've always questioned to myself why God would save me at that age and kind of just let me do it because it was man I was well into my 30s when I ever heard anything about doctrines of grace and I, I, I really started understanding what happened to me it wasn't that I wasn't it's just now I understand what he did we all have to come there sometime we have to understand not only spiritually but I mean it, you got to get a mental picture in your mind of just what God did for you just when he, when he said, I sent my son into this world to save you, what, the, the scripture, I wrote down, let's go to, let's go to uh, John. I'll be going back and forth just because that's the way my mind works. Um, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. If we go back to uh, John 3, Verse 5. So we already, we already quoted John 3.16 there. Okay, let's do this. Let's go to uh, verse 14. Just back up a little bit from 16 to what everybody, what everybody listens to. 14 says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's 15. And then he sets it up again in 16 and says the same thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, King James says, whosoever, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. The world was condemned already. It had fallen long ago. But that the world through him might be saved. People, how many times have we read that? How many, I mean, it's, that's just the basic thing. But we've got to go back. We've got to go back to it. Look, we, could, we can talk church eschatology. We can go pre-trib, post-trib. We want to know the, the deep things of the faith, and we want to know. Listen, the only power we have as Christians is the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he did for us and how we should realize that in our lives. We can't, we can't back up from that. That's not, that's not what happened and then we move on to something bigger and better. The gospel is bigger and better. And this is something I've just come uh, not too, in the not too distant past, started realizing. In fact, if you remember, our pastor, pretty much just in passing, he recommended this book, A Gospel Primer for Christians, not for the lost. It's for Christians. It's the gospel for Christians. Milton Vincent, it's out there on the table. There's six of them left. And if anybody here doesn't have money, I'll buy it for you. It's wonderful because this guy is telling you the power that we have in the gospel. It's not the power we have over demons. We don't have any power over demons. We have Christ and him crucified in our lives that we can beg for the help if we ever have anything, you know, <laughs> in, in some of my windshield time, I was listening to John MacArthur, and I'm sure if you've listened to any of it, uh, he was telling a story about going to this big conference. And Dave, I know we talked about it. I'm sure you've heard this. But he says, this guy stood up and to open the conference, he stood up and said, let's pray. And I, <laughs> I hesitate to say even what he said, but this guy, not me, he said, Satan, we bind you. And MacArthur said, I like to have fell out of my seat. He said, you're going to pray to God and the first words out of your mouth is Satan, we bind you. He says, for one thing, this man does not know the power of Satan. And for anything that we've looked through scripture at how Christians deal with demons, we don't. You know, for the most part, he says, turn and run. You know, you don't want to deal with that. You know, let me, let me do that work. You can have on the full armor and all that good stuff, but you're still going to struggle with the second most powerful thing there is in, in the spirit world. So, so what I'm trying to say is the importance of what we do day in and day out is the gospel. It's the simple thing of when the Lord prompts you to say, but Jesus loved you, 
And I would do that in the, in the case where somebody asks me a question. We, we were talking the other day. It's, it's, you know, some of the struggles I have is being bold and being confrontational. I've seen people do that, and I just don't like it. I don't, I don't like getting in people's face and saying, you know, have you been saved? Do you know, have you been born? You know, it just seems a little bit edgy. Seems like it's something. But if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, you know anything about this whole salvation thing and Jesus and all that? Man, the door's wide open then. They ask me, yeah, man, how can I help you? What can I tell you? What are you struggling with? You know, what, what, what can I... What can I say to help you through this? So, in verse 14 it says, as Moses lifted up the serpent. Remember, those people were getting all bit with snakes and, and dying. And he told them, he says, now this was not an idol. This was a representation. It was, a, it was a, something they could look at just to have faith and save themselves. That's what we need to do with Jesus. Make him high and lifted up. If, if, uh, if somebody could come up here with me and we could put Jesus up on our shoulders and say, here, here's the one you need to be talking about. Here's the one that did it. Here is the one, the reason that we're here. He is the reason. Not just for the season. He is the reason for it all. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a helpful thing to know that if you understand, I put that in quotation marks, if you have been born again, if you've been saved, if your eyes have been opened to the gospel, then you are a spiritual whiz kid. You're not, you're not even pointed in the direction of stupid or ignorant, either one. If you understand this, you can, be, you can be as on fire for the Lord as any other man or woman on this planet because the power is in the gospel. Um, back up a little farther into John 3 where Jesus has been talking to Nicodemus or is talking to Nicodemus. And what I love about this these are the words of Jesus. These are, the, these are you know, uh, the things that Jesus wanted us to hear. In verse 5, after talking to uh, Nicodemus, is wanting to know about being born, born again, for, you know, entering in again to a mother and being born. So Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, I've had that explained to me in years past to being born of water. It means that you have to be uh, born of, uh, you know, the uh, embryonic fluid, the water, uh, when a woman has a baby, the water breaks, that sort of thing. Well, I've learned since then that's not, that's not really what he's talking about here. It goes back to Ezekiel that I'm just not, I'm not going there because there's a lot to it. But it's about the cleansing that takes place when you're born of water. And the Spirit cannot enter the kingdom of God. If he's not, go back. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. Okay. This is real simple biology here, folks. Man and woman get together, what do they make? Flesh. They make babies. That's all they can make. That's it. Man can procreate flesh. He cannot do anything for your spirit. Verse 7 says, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Verse 8, The wind blows where it wishes, and you can't hear the sound of it. It cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Did you hear that? That's, look, look, this came before John 3.16. By the time we get to John 3.16, we've already forgot this. We're, we're already trying to uh, convince somebody that they can be saved without a spiritual birth. I mean, that's not a blanket statement. I know that everybody's different. Everything happens differently for everybody. But when it happened for me, that's what I was thinking. Praise be to God, even though I was ignorant at that age and for a long time after that, I was still saved. I believe it. I believe it to my core. Uh, I've, <laughs> you know, I've, I've, even later on, you know, most of my, you know, we all sin, we got, but most of my bad things that I did was my teenage years after I was saved. And it was just, yeah, it's all rebellion. It's all, you know. I, but to understand that you were protected from the womb. You were protected. You were, <laughs> look, you go back to John 17 and it talks about God, Jesus came to save those that the Father gave him. Not an extra one. Not, a, not an extra one is there. He came to save those that the Father gave him. So he came to seek and to save. He didn't come to pin any medals on or to give any certificates for those that had, that had been looking for him or those that had... That, that, uh, acknowledged him and decided to walk his way. That's not what he did at all. He came to seek you out because he knew you couldn't find your way out of a closet spiritually. I mean, does that sink in? So here's the thing. You were special to him. He was waiting on you to be born. He was waiting on you. It's a kid. And you know what? His, his timeline is totally up to him. I mean, how many, you know, I was saved at 11. I know people that were saved at 30. My grandfather was saved in his 70s. Um, you know, and some of, the, some of the descriptions you get, some of the testimonies that people have of how they were saved and when it happened, how it happened, it's a little different for everybody. But it's the same in that Jesus does it. He's the one 
that went to the cross so that he could. I mean, it was, it was all the stupid stuff, all the stupid stuff that you do that you, you know, may or may not recognize. It was paid for on that cross. This is the gospel. This is what we need to understand. I truly believe. This is the power of the word. It's the power that frees us. I mean, it's, it's what we can, we can say after the fact. You know, it's, you were saved. You might use that in the past tense, but you can also bring it into the present tense and say, I'm being saved. We've talked about this before. You were saved. That's the moment that you were regenerated, justified. And as you learn and as you, you work things out, working out your own salvation through the word and through the, the gospel of what we're just talking about here, you are being saved every day. Every second that goes by. He saved you. Give me a picture. He just got you by the daphne. He, he's not letting go. He knows you're going to do something stupid. That's going to be pretty regular for some people. <laughs> he's got you. He's not going to let you go. Nothing's going to rip you out of his hand. It's, it's the best. It's the best. We, you know, we look to the movies for all the special effects. It's the best special effect in the universe because it is by him, for him, to him that we come to him. And if it weren't for what he did, we would never, we wouldn't find our way. We would not find our way. That's a fact. So if you understand that, if the light has come on in your life, and you understand, regardless of how, um, I don't know what a good word would be, just how, how you treat it, you know, whether it's a, yeah, good, yeah, well, got that covered. So many people take that as just a, yeah, I was saved back in 69. Yeah, got that took care of. Well, are you sure? Because, brother, I, I don't, See, or I may say, friend, I don't see any fruit. You've not been in church for 20 years. You've not done anything to serve the Lord. Do you know what he did for you? And maybe, maybe it is that simple. Maybe there's some people that are that uh, far gone that they just, they don't want to even invest the time to understand what the Father did for them. What, they, what he actually uh, what actually propagated there? You were born in the spirit, just like you were born in the flesh. He changed your life. And the only way that could happen is through Jesus Christ. Um, it's a funny thing. Uh, and I know, so it's a limited bunch here, and, and, but I, I really did feel like I needed to get this out. A lot of what, uh, and I haven't finished this book yet. It's, I read probably the first, 30, 40 pages. And he says in the beginning, read it slow. Read it for effect and, you know, understand what you're reading. And it really does. It, it just, it spoke to me. So, 
in all of what Jesus tried to do from the time he was with the apostles. He tried to make them understand he was the son of God. He, he had been sent. You know who recognized it first? I'm pretty sure the first. Matthew 8, 29. I'm going to read that. You don't have to turn to it. And you're going to recognize it. Matthew 8, 29. Had it marked and forgot. Matthew 8, 29. And suddenly they cried out, saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before, before the time? Who was it? Who recognized him first thing? That's scary, isn't it? A demon will recognize Jesus, and you've got people walk around every day that won't, that won't even acknowledge him. You've got people every day that they don't want to hear it. They don't want you to talk to them about it. They don't even want you to go in that direction. But the demons... Believe and tremble. The demons believe and tremble. And to me, uh, I understood uh, in some of the stuff I was listening to on my, on my trip, you know, what can you do to be saved? What can you do to be saved? Sorry, friend. There is nothing you can do other than, as the publican, beat on your chest, realize, probably in a panic, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, please be merciful to me. What do you think anybody that pleads that with the Lord? You think he's had his eyes open to something? I believe it. I believe that's when the Lord says, yeah, son, you see it. You see it. To me, as, the, as the, the thief on the cross, he says, to me, today, with me, you'll be in paradise. It's, nothing's changed, people. Nothing's changed. This Bible, this gospel, has not changed since Jesus walked with the Pharisees. And as he explained this to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus, and by the way, Nicodemus, uh, we're told from history, not, not in Scripture, but he eventually got it and probably had it early on. But he was also put out from among that sect. And they, the, uh, the stuff I read on it says that his whole family suffered and that his, uh, I, know, I know you've, probably heard some of this, but his daughter was seen out in the, in the street getting corn out of the manure of animals because they were so hungry, because they had, been, because they had believed in Jesus. How much faith do we have? How much, you know, I have trouble uh, standing, you know, I mean, like I said before, if, if it's something that, that I could be questioned on or something, I, could, I can stand with the best of them. But for me to just 
throw my pearls out in the swine? That's, that's kind of what I think. Nobody is asking me anything. Nobody wants my opinion. Nobody wants to hear my words. But if somebody does, I'll tell them with people sitting on either side of me. And that, that part doesn't bother me. So, my point is, the gospel is never the start of something and then we pass it on because we've already done that. That's, that's, just, that's just a basic thing, getting saved. Do you get that? No. The gospel is the power through Jesus that we have in the kingdom itself. And I know many of you understand this, and I'm hopeful that, you know, maybe we all, we, maybe we all get it, but you know what? We need to be reminded of it. Constantly, we need to be reminded that, look, you know, you ain't such tough stuff. You're really pretty stupid. And the ignorant of most everything I've tried to tell you, but I love you anyway. I love you because the Father gave you to me and you're not going anywhere. So I think a lot of times the conversation I'm going to have with Jesus, you know, we'll get some one-on-one time eventually in heaven. We'll be able to go just, you know, what about this time, you know? Of course, I don't know by that point. I don't know what we'll remember and what we won't. But, <laughs> but it's going to be a glorious time because, look, when you try to reconcile this stuff, when you try to figure it out, why he saved you, boy, that's when it just kind of all falls apart. I, I can't tell you. I cannot tell you why he saved me. I can surely tell you it wasn't because of me, and I can surely tell you uh, as I've looked through the years, it wasn't because of most other people I've seen either. It was because he did it on his own terms, in his own time. And man, he, he has really done a glorious thing in a lot of people's lives. And I, I, I tell you, it's going to be it's going to be made clear to us. Just what he, And you think you're amazed now? Wait until you fully understand what he saved you from. Oh my goodness. Because we still haven't got a, a true picture of it. I mean, um, so, 2 Timothy 2.15, as many of us know, it says, study uh, to be diligent. King James says, study to show thyself approved. To present yourself approved to God. Now, a lot of people have been critical of maybe us. I know we took, we took a beating, especially early on. We don't have an invitation. I, was, I, I grew up with invitation. That's how you knew when to close your, close your Bible. And church was just about over because the invitation started. And I'm not saying that we would never would never have here, but what I want you to understand is that our invitation for you is open all the time. It doesn't matter if we get done. It doesn't matter if we're in the parking lot. It doesn't matter if we're at home. If you need to call me, LeGrand and Pat, each one of our deacons, you can call them, and they would be overjoyed to be able to talk with you about something that the Lord has got on your heart. So, 
the criticism, you know, it's a funny thing because nowhere in the Bible is there an invitation. Nowhere. You know, in what little bit, you know, I, I've, I've tried finding out. But I, had a, I had a friend that came here one time uh, just five years, I think, into, into our uh, uh, starting. And uh, he never did say anything. But he never, they had had problems at a Baptist church up in Wartburg and, and uh, they were looking somewhere else and I told him and never did say anything but I always felt like it was because we didn't have that invitation at the end. And, you know, uh, come in one day and you're a member the same hour if you want to be in most churches. I, it's just... I just understand so much more. I just, I'm so thankful that the Lord has put people like LeGrand Lamb and Paul Lloyd and John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul and all these others who have nurtured my soul and helped me to understand the things that I wish I'd have understood 30 years ago. I really do. I thought I, thought I got it. But there's so many things now more that I can appreciate love for what Jesus did in my life. Um, and it's, it's a shame that it took this long. It's, uh, you know, probably early 80s. I really started to get the lights turned on. And um, I just hope, I hope you all uh, know where I'm coming from. I hope you understand that the gospel is not a thing that happened. That us being born again was not something that was just a mild thing. It was a life-changing time. And we'll understand that more by and by. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your love and your mercy is overwhelming at times, Father. And we just thank you, Lord, that you've given us the mind and the heart to understand these things Lord to understand the things of the kingdom and Lord I just pray that you'd give each one of us a a better understanding of your word Lord and help us Lord draw us to that help us Father not to be ignorant of the things that you've given us in this book Lord we know it's a it's your living word and we know that uh, you transform lives with it and we thank you in the best way that we know how. Father, be with us now as we are uh, ready to leave this place, Lord. And I just pray for each one here tonight, Lord, that you would uh, give them a special blessing. Give them the questions that they need to ask. That they would be more in tune with you and the kingdom needs. Thank you, Father, for all that you do for us. And even that that we're unaware. And these things I pray in your name. Amen. Oh, we don't sing on the Sunday night, do we? Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. You're dismissed. Mm-hmm.